Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone. Mike Anderson here, and I want to welcome you all to the Shields Outdoors podcast. To kick things off, I want to talk about a series that we've just recently started that we are super excited about, and that is the Virtual Hunt Series. If you're wondering what a Virtual Hunt Series is, it's a live segment where we feature athletes in the industry talking about waterfall, big game, food processing, all sorts of great things. So on Tuesday, September 29th, we had the opportunity to sit down with Christy Lee Cook and Kirsty Pike as we talked about women in the industry and big game and hunting strategies. This was a live segment, so we had the opportunity to answer questions from the viewers who heard it live, and we also gave away some great prize packages. If you weren't able to catch that segment, don't worry, we'll have it recorded right here on podcasts so you can find it and listen to it later. It is finally that magic time of year where temperatures are dropping, leaves are falling. We spent all summer honing our skills, shooting our bows, blowing those duck calls. And seasons are finally ramping up. We've seen a ton of people out there punching tags, which is super awesome. And I want to take this time to remind people that we do a segment on Shields Outdoors called Trophy Tuesday, where we celebrate all of your success out there. If you want to become a part of Trophy Tuesday, it's super easy. All you have to do is just send us a message with your trophy and check it out every Tuesday on Shields Outdoors. One season in specific that's really ramping up is waterfall hunting. Now, waterfall hunting is a blast. It's super easy to get into. You can get into it without a ton of equipment or you can get really crazy about it. We expect to see a lot of newcomers to the sport, so we thought it would be awesome to sit down with one of our experts from the Eden Prairie Store, Matt Rusted. Here's our conversation with Matt about all things waterfall. Today we are talking everything waterfall, and uh, we have a bit of a celebrity in our midst. We've got Mr. Matt Rusted from the Eden Prairie store. So you may have seen him on a commercial if you're watching football and you see the Shields Waterfall commercial, Matt is on there. So, hey, how are you doing today, Matt? Doing good, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. So, yeah. So when we're filming this, season's just about to start. Are you jacked or what? Oh yeah, it's been really good already. So I think it's just gonna keep, keep rolling from there, that's for sure. Perfect. So how did you first get uh, get started into waterfall? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, uh, honestly, I mean, hunting's been something that we've, my family's done forever. As little as I can remember, I mean, my, my dad going out hunting, that kind of deal. I uh, really got into it for whatever reason, like out of all the hunting I could do. Grew up deer hunting a little bit, but waterfall just really stuck to me. Um, started out sneaking a creek i remember the first time with my dad uh, we ended up shooting some some honkers that were actually sitting out in there i just remember that like just stuck in my head forever and ever since then uh, i didn't go super hard right away but it just kind of grew from there and kept going and going and going so mm-hmm. and now it's turned into being on a waterfall commercial <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that experience what was it like no for sure so yeah no we uh 
we, I think we shot one goose. I want to say we snuck down there. There was like 50 of them sitting there. I didn't have a gun. I just remember like being huddled next to my dad and like they all got up and like one swam down the river. My dad water swatted it, I think. But uh, I just thought it was the coolest thing, man. I've just been obsessed with it. So I waited like a year or two after that is when I started going myself. I think we actually set up in that same exact spot in that river, past shot some wood ducks one year, maybe the next year when I actually had a gun. Um, but then after that, my dad actually got us on a couple of guided goose hunts, uh, with the guy, um, actually comes into the store now, which is pretty cool. I get some stuff now, but, uh, we went on some guided goose hunts with him and I learned a lot there and he was really good at calling and that kind of stuck in my head right away. Uh, he was a contest goose caller. So right away, like it just like, I knew I could do it at some point. So, um, Started, started goose hunting with him. The first time I didn't have a gun with me, the next couple times I did, but I just remember we smashed it. One time it was on a pasture pond up in uh, kind of northern Minnesota. I had a walk decoys on about a half a mile I got out there, but it was super cool. Uh, from there, it just kind of kept going and going. I actually had a creek in my backyard, and in the wintertime, it loads up with mallards. You've probably seen like viral video videos of it up on Facebook before. I literally had decoys out in my yard about every single day. Um, I'd have 50 ducks walking around my yard. I had like a blind under my deck. I used to sit there and call ducks. And uh, it just didn't shoot a lot then, but it, I, it just, I've always loved it. And oh, yeah. I, that, I mean, kept going from there. So, yeah, that's a great way to learn. Just if you have ducks in your backyard, like hearing the vocalizations and exactly. being able to interact with them too, shotgun in your hand or not, I mean, it's a. It's a great learning experience. Neighbors used to yell and swear at me, but that's okay. So <laughs> yeah. Shut up. But yeah. Man, I literally, I built a blind under my deck so I could sit out there in the wintertime and eventually just start landing there. We'd feed, feed them and stuff. But man, I learned a lot from those birds. But Oh, yeah. Are you one of those guys that practices calling in the vehicle too and all your passengers get I, super I, mad at I you? Try, I try not to as much as I can. The only reason, I mean, I, I do, obviously, I get jacked once in a while, like going on a hunt or whatever, but. As a contest caller, like sitting on a chair is different than standing up. So it just, you put a little different air pressure into it. Now, like the last couple of years in South Dakota, I've lived in an apartment, so I haven't been able to. So sometimes like in the middle of winter, that's the best I have. So you gotta do it. <laughs> oh, funny. So uh, you touched on that you're, that you're doing competition calling. Can you, uh, can you let us know how you got started with that? Yeah, um, absolutely. Went to uh, Cabela's back way back in the day, probably 10 years ago. Uh, met a guy by the name of Mike Anderson. He's a world championship duck caller from uh, Minnesota, the only world champion we have, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I remember talking to him, and he was like, man, you're really good at calling. And I was just getting into hunting. I thought it was, like, the coolest thing. I didn't even know who he was until he told me he was a world champion. He, like, showed me a couple of YouTube videos. Uh, uh, he sold me a call, and he just told me, like, you should look into it. So I started watching his YouTube videos. I've literally watched a video 2,000 times of him winning worlds. Uh, but I just kept practicing and practicing and practicing. And I used to post on forums and stuff. And then uh, had a guy named Ben Marlowe. Uh, he's a contest caller from Minnesota right now. He's been doing it for the last 15 years. He really took me under his wing. And he uh, I used to send him sound files all the time. He took the time and kind of molded me and helped me helped me learn how to call. So he did he did a lot. But uh, it's 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 really fun once you get into it, getting to travel and see guys you know from across the country. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, what are the what are the main differences and similarities between competition calling and then bringing that out into the field? Yeah. So as far as contest calling goes, 
there's pretty much three different styles of duck calling contests. That's what I do. I'm a duck calling guy. I have done a few goose calling contests, uh, but duck calling is what I like to do. So the main one you really hear about is Main Street duck calling um, or open, they would call it. That's what you're going to see at Worlds. Um, and that's what basically what that is. It's pushing your duck call to its completely full limit. I mean, it's literally, if you blow one little piece of air different, it's going to squeeze your call and you're going to get cut and go home. Uh, so it's really, doesn't really sound a whole lot like ducks. There's a lot of things that you'll see that will kind of go into like meat calling. And then you have meat calling. Uh, meat calling is literally kind of like doing the main street sequence, but it's what you actually do out in the field. So it's sounding like ducks. And that's honestly my favorite thing to do. I love doing meat calling contests. They're super fun. Uh, you get to, it's a little more relaxed. It's not quite as tough, but you just get to sound like a duck and that's what I like to do. And then the last one, the live duck calling contest. This one, you just want to sound like a couple ducks. It's a 60 second routine, it's a lot shorter. And this one, again, it's just even sounding just more like a duck, so. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, let's talk about just calls in general. What are the different types of calls out there and what are their applications? Yeah, so right now, kind of with storm in the market, uh, you're gonna have your acrylic, which is your industry standard for a, a high-end, say, duck call or a goose call. Uh, and, and that's what most guys are going to be after. It's nice and pretty most of the time. Um, that's you're kind of looking at $130, $150 price range for a duck call. As far as uh, any other options go, what's kind of storming the market right now is Delrin. Delrin's material. Uh, it's made the exact same way as an acrylic duck call on a CNC machine. And it's going to run you about half the price, which is pretty cool. I know here in Eden Prairie, we've been pushing really hard. I know in Sioux Falls we did. Man, it's... Uh, you're looking on like a duck call about 60 bucks as opposed to 130. And it's going to really do about the exact same thing. Uh, that material is actually more durable. Uh, the acrylic system can be a little crisper sounding. And, uh, but for the price difference, some getting into it, that Dowron is a really good option to go. Um, even hunting in the field, younger guys where they're going to beat up stuff, lose stuff. I'd be a lot happier to lose a $60 duck call and a $130 duck call. Yeah, you've never lost anything in a duck blind. No, 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 that never, never happens. <laughs> For sure. So there's a lot of different vocalizations a duck has. Can you, uh, can you walk us through all of those, all the important yeah. noises that you need to make? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, kind of right off the bat, uh, you hear guys, uh, they're going to, obviously everyone kind of knows what the quack is. That's just a duck kind of talking to one another, doing whatever. Um, on top of that, you also have different kinds of feed calls. Uh, one of the first ones you hear just be like your regular feed. That's going to be like a, like a duck just sitting there eating some corn or uh, sitting out in the field, sitting in the water. Um, and this is kind of what that sounds like. Just kind of hanging out there, relaxed, you know, eating, eating food. And that's... Uh, on top of that, you'll have a, a rolling feed, and that's kind of one you'll hear. I notice it a lot more late in the year, and typically what that means is, uh-oh, look up. And it's typically like migrating mallards, or mallards coming out to feed in a cornfield. See a lot, I mean, big cornfield feeds, you'll hear that rolling feed. It sounds a little something like this. This isn't perfect. Not something you necessarily do hunting, but it's a different sound that ducks make. And then you'll hear them kind of talking in between that. Um, aside from that, you're going to have a, a greeting call. That's just ducks saying, hey, I'm over here. They'll do that in the field, water, kind of wherever. This is what that sounds like. 
really the last one to be like a comeback call. That's a uh, duck uh, kind of pleading for another one to come back. You just extend out that greeting call a little bit. that a, a duck makes it's really those four things you just kind of blend everything together and make it sound good i mean it's about what you do okay so i'm personally a bow hunter so i i've done a little bit of waterfall and uh but i don't have all the gear and stuff like that so what you did literally just blew my mind and i have no idea how to do any of that right now so let's take a step back and um I, I'm going to give you situations, and then I'd like you to teach me a little bit on how, how to do that call, okay? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, all right, I am. I just got set up in the blind, and we see our first flock of geese or of ducks on the horizon. Like, what are you shooting at them right away? Uh, right away, I'm going to let them come to me and see what they're going to do. Uh, probably what I would do first, if I was hunting, say I'm going to hunt a, we're hunting a cornfield. That would probably be the easiest way to, or I mean, really a, a lake for, for whatever. It doesn't matter. The first thing I would do is kind of start with something a little more relaxed, unless they were, if I know they're coming to me. If I'm hunting a field, I know they're going to, or if I'm hunting a pond that I know they're going to come and hang out there. If they're coming to me, I'm just going to keep really chill. I'm going to hit them with a feed call, uh, probably going to cut feed, just something just, just really kind of quiet, just to kind of keep their attention and their eyes locked on me. And then what I'm going to do calling is going to pick on what the birds are doing. If they start to turn a little bit or they're circling kind of weird and I want to get them to, to drop right in, that's where I'll do the other ones. Um, so I'd start typically right away with a, some sort of feed. Then if I notice they start to drift off, that's what I really, I, I just watch the main duck, right? Pick one and watch if it starts to drift off. Then I'll hit it with kind of like that greeting call to catch their eye, get them coming a little better. Then I'll get them coming my way, probably switch back to some sort of feeder call or go quiet, just kind of let them come to me. If they start coming, make a big circle. Probably the last thing I'll do to kill them a lot of the times. It's one of my favorite little secrets. Uh, when they're on that last swing, you know they're gonna come in. I'll do that greeting call, but I'll just keep like quacking afterwards. about to come in what that does in my experience i get them to cup i get them locked in on me and they're coming to my sound as a hunter i i love calling that's what i do i use my calling abilities to to me and i let them come to my sound a lot of times so typically i'm hunting a little more decoys whatnot but i mean that's uh they're going to turn i do that and i want them just coming right to me i want to shoot them right in the face i don't want them to <laughs> just spread basically Yep. So when when do you know to call versus when not to call? It's a it's a it's a tough question. Um, I mean, I just like calling. I think a lot of guys go and duck hunting. They they want to. I honestly will probably start off with every time if they if they want nothing to do with it, you'll see it like goose hunting. I'll be like, all right, let's just not say a word and see what they do. Uh, that would be the biggest thing. Otherwise, it's more of a feel. I like just like watch those birds drift off. I don't. Necessarily think there's a time like you don't like where duck calling just doesn't work, just maybe not doing it in the right way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it's really just learning to read those birds and what they're doing and get them to react. That's what I like to say. Okay, 
So, I mean, th there's a concept calling on the turn. Like, what can you yeah, walk exactly. me through that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's about exactly what I, I mean. Just getting them to react and get them to, to switch. And that's when you beat them and you, and you get them beat and you just, they're going to come in. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about like your hunting setups now and what you do to prepare for the hunt. So what somebody that's just starting to get into duck hunting or, or goose hunting, um, where do you start? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, duck hunting is really easy. That's what's cool about it. And that's why I think why it's so popular going out in duck opener. I mean, you can pick a lot of slews and put a dozen decoys, two dozen decoys out, or and maybe no decoys out, and you can have really good success. So I'll probably focus a little more on uh, on the goose side of things. For someone just getting the sport, honestly, the best thing they could absolutely do right away without um, without having to spend a lot of money is invest in the silhouette spread. It's been crazy right now. I know every single store we're selling a ton of them. You're seeing guys kill geese over silhouettes everywhere, and uh, for you know a couple hundred bucks, you can get a really good spread of goose decoys instead of having to spend. $2,000 for a spread of goose decoys. So a layout line, uh, hunting geese in a field, you, you kind of need a layout line, but uh, other than that, a goose call and uh, the, the silhouettes are such a useful tool that uh, it's getting tapped into right now. Everyone's using them and there's a reason that they, they work. Mm -hmm. So how do you position those? Do you, do you like have them go at different angles? So like the different... Birds will see yeah, them in different really positions. And I, I've noticed a lot of guys do it differently. For sure, I kind of angle in different directions. But at the same time, I still want to show, like, groups and movement among the decoys. So, like, if I have, like, a pot of decoys out here and a pot of decoys here, I kind of, like, I'll have them face different directions, but they're going, like, the same place just to show that there's kind of movement and spread as a flock of geese is working. And there's times where I'll have them faced all over, but um, I like to have them like kind of grouped up yet. Otherwise, if everyone's just facing different directions, I mean, it would work. I just, that's kind of how I go about it for the most part. Uh, it is big though to have them face different directions. If you have them all looking one way, at some point, they're going to come invisible in your spread. And that's mm -hmm. what makes it tough. And I, I realize there's some limits as far as silhouettes goes, but the advantages of them, um, not having to pack anything in really, uh, you don't need a trailer. You can throw them right in the bed of your truck. You can put them out in a minute. You can put 50 out in two minutes. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, they're super slick. Uh, but make sure you face in different directions. What I kind of do is I'll walk a couple feet apart. I don't run too close usually. And I'll, uh, I'll maybe like have them all, like maybe not all, but a flock looking the same way. But in that same sense, I'm going to have them staggered, like different directions. So that goose that flies by doesn't lose sight of the whole flock. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So how do you choose a field? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's scouting. That's the number one thing. And uh, a lot of times I mean, in Minnesota, you'll see now that I'm back here, you get a lot more moat migrators. It's a big thing that sweeps waterfall hunters across Minnesota. That's going to be your one to two year old non-breeding birds that follow the food line um, kind of up from the south and then back from Canada. And those ones are really fun to, they're really fun to hunt. So those, you don't necessarily have to be in like an X field that geese are in. Uh, those ones, I mean, you can just be in a really visible spot. I mean, I got buddies that kill in backyards. I got anywhere green, yellow, somewhere you pop, your decoys pop out really good. Uh, the biggest way to kill geese would be, I mean, it's going scouting and obviously seeing them in the field. 
making sure they're coming from a ways away. The roost isn't too close. So every time you shoot, they don't hear you on the roost too close mm -hmm. uh, to scare them. That's a big one out in South Dakota. A lot of the spots, um, the, the geese just, there's ponds all over. In North Dakota would be the same thing. They, a lot of times they'll roost close. So you got to kind of play the wind and get the right wind so you're not busting the roost out. And uh, otherwise, the last thing uh, would be traffic. You can hunt a field with good traffic. Maybe there's an X field that geese are sitting in. You can't get permission on it. You're going to set up in the field, the green field, the really visible field in between the roost and that field, just trying to pull them off with a, as many decoys as you can get out. So that would be the first thing. I'm always looking for an X field. If you're in an X field, I mean, you're going to kill geese usually. You really have to mess it up not to kill them. Um, mm -hmm. And that just takes time to find, obviously, where roosts are and stuff like that. But if you can't get in that, that X, it doesn't mean to give up look around it and see what you could do to to get underneath those birds so for people that don't know what an x field is can you yeah. elaborate yeah. on that a little bit for sure yeah that would just be a, an x field would be a field that geese are feeding us we're all going and uh that would be you know you maybe you scout it three days in a row and three days straight they're going out to that field that's where you want to be those geese are out there eating they uh they're hanging out or maybe they're going to a a loaf out there. That's just what we call an X typically, uh, somewhere the geese is actually going to specifically. Mm -hmm. And so when you're going to set up on that field, you've seen them there a few different days. Do you set up like literally in the exact spot they drop or do you get a little bit forward, like closer to where they're coming from? What do you do there? It, there's a couple things that play into that. Uh, the one would be the hide. That would be my first question. If it's a really good hide, if that, that means if I'm going to be able to brush my blinds in really good or my A-frame, I, I will go sit exactly where they're at. Watching them, you'll kind of see how they work. The, sec the second thing that I always look for when I'm hunting an X-field is the first thing is going to be the hide. The second thing is going to be the wind. Uh, the wind direction is going to tell me a lot. It's going to tell me where the birds are going to finish at and if they're going to see my hide. So a lot of the times, maybe it's like a silage field, for example. There's not a whole lot of stuff that's out in the field. This time, you're a lot of guys are on silage. There's not a whole lot of stubble laying around the field. So if I lay a layout blinds, blinds right in the middle of it, all stubble up with corn, it might work for some birds. If it's really windy out, the birds might come low. They might not notice. They might not care ever. If it's not very windy out, they're probably going to fly to me, circle around me a bunch of times, and not come in. Or give me a crack shot at 30 30 yards circling so playing the wind is really important to me sometimes I will set up right where they're at but if it's not a good hide it's not worth it I would pull off a little bit maybe 100 yards away there's a spot in the field that had a little better hide and I'll go over to that and uh, maybe have my layout lines totally brushed in if there's not a lot of wind and I'll uh, actually kill the birds a little better not you might lose a flock to exactly where they were going but the ones you get are going to finish a lot better. So those are the biggest two things. Wind is a huge factor, waterfall hunting every day, no matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I suppose because, you know, super windy days, uh, they're not going to hear you from a long ways away. Or, you know, if they're downwind, then they will be able to hear you from quite a bit. Landing strategies exactly. yep. makes a lot of sense. So are there any any new products out there that have been like game changers for you? Yeah, without a doubt. Big owls and the A-frames, whether it be our Shields ones. I kind of hit on the big owls a little bit earlier. I just can't get over how, I mean, how many people are using them. They still work. You think like when every single person's hunting over five to 10 dozen silhouettes, like they wouldn't work, but everyone keeps killing them over them. Uh, and it, they just are so awesome. 
throw them in the bed of your truck. I mean, I have buddies, big trailers, whatnot, and more often than not, you're seeing them go out with 10 dozen silhouettes in the bed of the truck now. It's just kind of changed the game of hunting, mm-hmm. of water, of hunting honkers right now. Um, on top of that, you're seeing everyone use A-frames. A-frames are awesome. Um, like I was saying before, my example about the silage field hide, in silage fields, it seems A-frames have done really good. Uh, it's almost the opposite effect, you know. There's nothing in the field, so look laying like a bunch of corn stubble in the middle of a brown field doesn't look the best. But if you go up with it, you just look like a natural uh, swat or uh, maybe a roll that they missed out in the corn or, you know, um, maybe a patch of grass that happened to go out in the field. So a lot of guys have been going that way. You can sit comfortably, get three guys in there, four guys, and let yourself in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's a great way to get the kids involved, too, or people exactly. that haven't been before. Yeah, dogs. I mean, it's a little tougher for dogs sometimes. It's nice if it's a younger dog, maybe they got a puppy, that kind of thing, and you can just keep them right in there or work with them. They're not going to really break because they're not going to see what's going on. You can go out there and work with them a little better. Um, but they're they're super handy tool. I use them every day. I mean, every time I hunt, honestly, it's getting to the point of either an A-frame or using silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, um, you know, being a waterfall expert at the at the Eden Prairie store, what are some really commonly asked questions you get? Ooh, do silhouettes work? One, that's a that's like honestly, like right now, it's just a craze, and they do without a doubt. It's such a like a reverse of the, your thought process. What I mean, you for a while you had to use a full body goose, or you weren't going to kill a goose, you know. So everyone back. To, 15, 20 years ago, they were using silhouettes and they were killing geese over them. Then it went to full bodies and now it's back to silhouettes. So people are kind of confused about that. Another, uh, another really popular question this year is the same exact thing. Like guys do A-frames work. There's no way they don't see you up in that. And then every time I just smile and tell them to go take it out and they come back and I'm like, I can't believe that worked. It's, it's literally clockwork every time. I can't believe that worked like that. Yeah, it, it really does work. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So it started at silhouettes and then it kind of moved into the full body flocked and now it's back to silhouettes. Do you anticipate the geese kind of catching on to that and having to, to move back? I have a little, I don't know. It, it probably depends who you ask. In my opinion, I think if you look like a goose, sound like a goose or in the right spot, a goose is going to come in. Silhouettes have always worked. Guys, when people were using full bodies, Full bodies, they honestly, in my opinion, are probably a little more effective than a silhouette. They just have disadvantages that I don't like. Being bulky, tough to put out. I could see them going that way. You know, after a while, if I just have a tough time, if if you look like a goose, geese are going to come in. So, mm-hmm. nice. So, what sort of uh, gear system do you wear into the field, or what you recommend? Yeah, so far I've been I've been rocking Sitka now last three four years pretty hard. It's awesome stuff. It's tough to beat from you know earlier in the year. They're awesome base layers and stuff they have. They're kind of lighter weight quarter zips and pants. Uh, we're in early season goose hunting all the way even until late in the year. I use uh man I use my, my I use my Sitka every day. I have it in my truck with me. I wear it to work. I think you see a lot of guys that end up doing that, man. It's it's pretty tough stuff mm-hmm. to beat. A lot of waterfall guys, not really any deer guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice thing about waterfall. waterfall. You really don't have to worry about scent. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's definitely the thing to have, Sitka, and it's it's proved itself. There's nothing right now in the in the waterfall industry that can compete. 
Mm-hmm. That's just what it comes down to. Being dry and and, and warm, it's the it's what you want. Duck hunting, you want to be warm and dry. So yep. they got it down. Absolutely, no, they they do make some incredible gear. But um, so, how about that person that's just looking into waterfowl hunting is is on a budget and looks at the price tag and is like, well, I, I can't do that, but I want to hunt. So, what what would you recommend there? I've been happy, pretty happy with some of the game hide stuff. I think they make a good product for you know kind of entry level guys getting into it. You can get a jacket that has like a removable liner, going to keep you. You could wear it opener as a waterproof kind of shell. You could also wear it uh, late later in the year, throw that liner in there, which is kind of nice, but. I've had plenty of guys go it that way and even buddies, that kind of thing. I've had some game hide back in the day. I mean, it gets you out there and it's going to, it's going to keep you warm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about layering. So what is, what is your layering setup and what's, what are must haves? Yeah, I'm always, I always rock base layers. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, like an earlier season one is, is important to have early in the year. So you're not sweating too bad. And then uh, on top of that, as far as if I'm going, I guess most of the year, if I'm, if I'm going field hunting, I'm going to rock my uh, gradient pants. They're pretty tough to beat. Wearing them into the gas station in the morning is pretty nice. And then uh, throwing my Hudson bibs over the top of that. Um, then with that, typically I rock a duck oven. I'm a sweatshirt guy. You'll probably see like a lot of pictures of me. I'm wearing like sweatpants and sweatshirts. I'm just, a, I'm just kind of a dork like that. But that to me, that duck oven just feels like I have another sweatshirt on. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really like about it. Um, oh, like I said, tea on underneath or whatever, but for most of the year, that's what I'm going to use. Once it gets later, I'll throw on something, throw on something heavier on top of it. Um, if it's raining out, throw it like a Delta weight jacket over the top. Um, that's kind of new. I've been going to this year, but yeah. Okay. Great information. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and give you just a couple of random questions. So if you could give a young hunter one piece of advice, what would it be? I'd give them two. One, I would say go have fun. Obviously, that's that's what the whole thing's about. I've learned more and more the last couple of years. I just I just want to get out with my buddies and just go have a good time. But on top of that, what's going to help you have a little more good time uh, is scouting. It's such a huge piece of hunting and just getting out and just learning what the birds are doing in your area. You're going to be mind blown at how much stuff you'll learn in one, one night of scouting in your area. And that's going to make your hunt that much better. Even if you're hunting a public lake, if you go out scouting in the morning before, you might have an idea where the goose feeds. If there's a goose feed maybe near the lake and they're going to come to loaf there in the day or, you know, anything like that, just getting out and scouting and just scouting as much as you possibly can. And it's just going to lead to good memories out in the field. Nice. If you could only hunt one, ducks or geese, which one are you doing? I'm taking honkers any day. The reason being, I love, I love duck. It's, it's tough. Um, I would take honkers. Reason being, they're so vocal, and I love calling. I love calling ducks too, and they can be pretty vocal. Like later in the year, you'll see a little more. But to me, honkers are are kind of king as far as calling and having them call back and watching them decoy. It gets your heart pumping about every time, no matter where you're at. Uh, big honkers. That's why I like to. That's why I like to decoy. If I had one choice. Nice. What is the craziest thing that's ever happened to you in a blind? Uh, craziest thing that's ever happened to me in my blind, in a blind. Um, let's see. Shot a duck band on a boat launch once. That was pretty cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I was out scouting and, uh, I wouldn't, not necessarily a blind, we were set up, but, uh, we went out scouting and there was like 1500 ducks sitting on a boat launch in South Dakota. So we kicked them out 
and uh, we were, it was like the second to last day of the season, like, screw it, let's just sit up here, it was like, that. it was like 10, 9 o'clock in the morning, whatever, and kicked them out, and we thought they'd come back, well, a couple came back, but um, had a flock of like a thousand working us over the top, like, they were kind of, they were really pretty much going past us, and like one single duck broke off, and I was just laying there calling and calling and calling, it was right, just, just right past a boat launch of a lake, and uh, came right in, it was my, the only band of duck I shot, which is pretty cool, you can from Kentucky, so that's kind of a funny story. Um, yeah. Nice. Have you ever come close or been hit by a goose that you shot and is falling out of the sky? Oh, man. Yes, I have. Many times. I wish I had a video. I had one where it just came and crashed right in our A-frame at one time. That was pretty scary. It didn't hit me, though, thankfully, so... <laughs> <laughs> Been That's hit by good. pigeons a few times, but uh, geese, I have not been uh, clipped so far. What are your tips for early season calling versus mid-season versus late season calling? Yeah, so as far as ducks go, early season duck hunting, I'm not making a whole lot of noise typically, unless it's like a really juice feed or like some pond you're hunting that's loaded. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty quiet. A lot of times this time of year, and it's, you're hunting in the morning, it's foggy out or it's 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 warm out it's they're really kind of like lethargic in a way i'll call a little bit and i'm just going to hit them kind of at that those points just to turn them that's when i'm going to call later in the year i'll get a little more aggressive if i'm hunting field especially i'll I, a lot of feed calling like stuff like that i'm a lot of, I'm, i'll feed call a lot in fields that's big for me typically late in the year as well transition that a little more aggressive try to pull singles and doubles out of flocks that kind of thing and earn the whole flock get a little more aggressive later in the year. And then if it's windy out, uh, if it's windy out, they just can't hear very good. So uh, you can catch their attention a little better if it's windy. I'll get a little louder. As far as geese go, it's kind of the same thing. How I like to hunt, I hunt with a lot of decoys usually. So I use my calling to kind of my advantage. That's why I hunt with more decoys, because I can sound like a few more geese or a few more ducks out there. Mm -hmm. And I set up my spread so, like, they come in that way. They come to my sound. Whenever I'm hunting, I'm having the geese come to my sound at the end. So that's kind of my goal. So I'm always calling a little more than probably the next guy would. Is there times I may call too much? Maybe a little bit, but uh, it's, for the most part, it's, it, it works pretty good. Um, but yeah, later in the year, bigger spreads usually. Um, those molt migrator days where the geese are just flying way up high in the air, just want to catch your attention, rip on them all day. Hunting traffic, the geese aren't in your field. You might as well call till you can't breathe anymore because you just want to get their attention. Do you notice that waterfall ever get call shy as it gets later into the season? Around here a lot more so. I'm, I've been kind of blessed out in South Dakota the last five years. I think here for sure, you know, they get a little call shy, but I, I kind of believe that same principle. If you sound like a goose, they're going to, if you look like a goose, sound like a goose, they're going to come in. If you look like a duck, sound like a duck sitting there, they can't. If it's a duck, they think it's a duck, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just try to replicate kind of what they do and, and uh, get them that way. Perfect. All right. What is What are some of the most commonly asked questions that you get at the store? For sure, one of the most popular asked questions I get for me in the store, and I get pulled daily, if not multiple times a day, from all my my buddies here, uh, is, is what calls to use on your lanyard. And for me, uh, my go to that I use is CNS Custom Calls. They're made right in Zambroda, Minnesota. Uh, as far as like customer service goes, it, they're pretty tough to beat. They make some awesome calls too. I use them in all my meat calling contests. Uh, my go-to duck call for my lanyard uh, is the Archangel. I use it in all my meat calling contests. 
It's gotten me fourth place in World Two Man Duck. I've won quite a few meat culling contests on it. It's a pretty tough one to beat. What I like about it is I can use it for about anything. It's loud. It's can, it's got a little bit of raft to it, but it's also not too overbearing. And here's kind of a little sound file of the Archangel. fits me perfect um it's uh, that archangel is i'm confident about giving that call to anyone it's it's a great duck call the other one i paired up with here is a rise on my lanyard um i like the rise because it's totally different than the archangel it takes a little while to get used to and uh it's actually more of like a timber style call it's really quiet so i use that uh finishing birds that kind of deal um, you can see it's got the tuning hole there that's nothing really new uh, that's been around for a while, but what's cool about it is just uh, lifting my finger, I can sound like a different duck. So, again, this would be a little quieter, but uh, you'll see what I mean here. I will typically hunt with it. go-to one I like to finish them or on the, maybe it's a not windy day it's really uh, calm out just not quite as loud CNS they make uh, quite a few different calls they have uh, for the most part they're gonna be all single reads do you use a single read or a double read call can you explain the differences or if maybe one of them is a good starter and you transition into something else yeah honestly as far as what I really believe for the most part I think CNS does too most of their calls are going to be a single read call, and the advantage of that is that it's going to help you build the right air presentation in the call right away, and that's huge for me. You can kill a duck on any single duck call, but if you really want to get better at it and you want to be able to work a flock of ducks the right way or you know, take control of the ducks, um, put them on a leash and have them come to you and be able to work them a little better, that single read is awesome because it's going to builds the right pressure right away. You're going to get louder with it. You're going to be able to push the call to its full potential. You're not going to limit yourself. Sometimes double reads act kind of like a clutch right away. And it just, it, it, it helps you out, but it also hinders you kind of in the end as far as, as far as your calling abilities go. Right away, the, the big thing with a double read, is just that extra read on there just kind of makes it uh, sound a little more uh, raspy or maybe a little, in my opinion, I think it sounds a little flatter, but um, it's, more of a clutch and I, that single read, you can do everything you can do on a single recall and you can a, a double recall, but it's just going to make you that much better of a caller. Perfect. Great explanation. What is your favorite snack in the blind? Ooh, for sure. It's, uh, it's Mountain Dew. And then my buddy, he always makes me jerky. I get a couple of, all my buddies know I'm like a jerky thief. I don't make a lot of jerky myself. But uh, like any of my buddies know if they make like bring goose jerky or turkey jerky or whatever deer jerky, I'm eating the whole bag no matter what. So uh, <laughs> I'm like a mount, straight Mountain Dew and straight whoever. I steal a snack stealer, honestly. I am kind of. Okay, I perfect. Forget, I'm, I bring a Mountain Dew, but I forget the snacks. So usually if it's jerky, it's all mine. I just take it. All right. So I bring the jerky and then you do the calling, right? That <laughs> sounds like an down. excellent combo. <laughs> <laughs> Most guys can deal with that.
what is your what is your all time favorite hunting memory? There's so many hunting memories. I I really just can't even. It's it's tough to pick one for whatever reason. When I think of going like duck or goose hunting the last five years. I mean, I've been in South Dakota. It's 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 one of the best places in the world to be hunting wise. I think of one where uh, me and a buddy drove out west. We drove four hours, skipped class. Um, it was late in the year. We drove to like five inches of snow, about gotten like four accidents. Interstates were closed. They were, were going to close them. They didn't close yet. Uh, we made it out there, got set up, and uh, we just absolutely annihilated the honkers. I mean, we had thousands of landing. Every single flock was just coming in perfect, like five inches of fresh snow. Um, and it was just pretty tough to beat. We shot a quill lake goose that day, picked it out of a flock. Um, it was just fun. We were kind of, we, we had a couple left. We we're just kind of letting flocks work, looking for cool stuff. We were getting them so bad. It was a really fun day. That one, for whatever reason, just how perfect it was the day. And we just absolutely smashed them. Just me and a buddy. Um, a lot of times me just hunting with one or two guys is what I like to do as far as duck and goose hunting goes. Mm-hmm. When do you know when it's time to pick up and move on if you haven't filled up? <laughs> You know, on that off chance that you don't smash them. <laughs> that happens a lot. Uh, honestly, it's, it's, it, you never know. Every time you do go, then the flock of geese flies. It's one of those things, you know, every time you go to take a pee, the flock of geese comes and comes into your spread or a duck comes in your spread. I don't know what the answer is. Literally, I don't think anybody does. No matter what, you can sit there till one o'clock in the afternoon in the field. And as soon as you pull, pull a truck out in the decoys, a flock, flock of geese comes. Um, but I don't know. It's a, uh, Oh, give her 10 more minutes kind of thing. It's, I don't really have the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the answer is always t- 10 more minutes. Know. If does know the answer, let me know. I, I, I would love to know exactly what the, what the motto is there. Oh, perfect. So, well, tons of great information. Uh, you know, I've learned a lot on this and, uh, and I'm excited to, to kind of follow you along, see how your season goes. And, uh, you know, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to Shields Outdoors social media, head to one of your local stores, talk with an expert like uh, like Matt. So, hey, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. it, was, it was Absolutely. Good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Well, you go crush some ducks and geese. <laughs> Will do. All right. Take it easy, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You just heard from Shields waterfall expert Matt Rusted of the Eden Prairie Store sharing a ton of great information about waterfall that he's learned throughout the years. Man, I wish I could blow a call like that. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out in the comments below or visit us at Shields Outdoors, Facebook and Instagram, or also stop in store and talk to any of our waterfall experts. Another great source of information is going to be happening October 6th at 7 p.m., where we're going to have our next segment of the virtual hunt series. We'll be sitting down with Fred Zink and talking all things a waterfall. If you miss that segment, we're going to be having it right here on the Shields Outdoors podcast. With that, I want to thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.